0: I'm thankful to be here this morning. James chapter 3 is where we are. We've been walking through the book of James, and uh, this morning we are down to James chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go there. We're going to cover <coughs> excuse me, the first 12 verses of the book of James. And today we're talking about a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, when you're talking about this subject we are speaking to this morning, it's the greatest uh, weapon of mass destruction. Causes more damage, in fact, than all of the rest of the weaponry combined on the planet Uh, uh, our weapon we're speaking to today has unique uh, unique features and that is that the range of the weaponry is unlimited uh, and the assault is invisible uh, oftentimes there are many in fact i would say everybody in this room has been wounded uh, by the weapon of words, not only have we all been wounded by the weapon of words, I would say we have all inflicted damage with the weapon of words. Today we're talking about uh, really uh, the weapon of the tongue, and uh, you've heard it said before. I remember when I first heard it when I was a little child: "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will." Some of y'all heard that one before, but uh, (laughs) words will never hurt me, and that is so bogus. That's not true. Uh, uh, I think that words probably have hurt me and done more damage in my lifetime than any stick or stones, and believe me, I've been hit with sticks and stones also, but uh, because I got brothers, and they're all terrible. But anyways, (laughs) uh, no, I'm just... Kidding this morning. But I'm I'm thankful for James. James is covering all kinds of practical subjects uh, uh, written to the church. And so this morning it's interesting because a lot of times we like to look and try to make a a difference, or, or, or maybe we like to kind of move out from under the word a little bit and say, Man, he must be talking to those worldly people out there, which the fact of the matter is, James is addressing. Believers. He's addressing the church. He's just saying, hey, there's a lot of practical issues. And so he started in James chapter number one and he says, we're going to go through these trials. And so he talked about trials and all of us deal with trials. He talked about temptations. All of us deal with temptations. He talked about how we respond to God's word and the truth. And all of us have that opportunity to be able to make a decision how will I receive or reject. God's Word along the way. And then he talked about how faith uh, faith works. In other words, if I've been saved by grace through faith, then my faith is going to work. And so this morning he's talking about Words. He's talking about the tongue. Why? Because there have been many individuals who have been destroyed because of words. There have been many church fellowships who one day were thriving and the next were destroyed because people had zero discretion and they ran their mouths and ran one another down with backbiting, gossiping, criticism, and destruction. And he's just simply saying, hey, listen, understand the weight of your words today. You've got to understand the weight of words. There, I believe this morning there are many people in this building who will live the rest of their lives with scars, deep scars, simply because of words that were spoken to you over the years. It just happens. The weight of words, the words cut deeply. And God, help us just to understand, again, my responsibility entrusted to me as an individual and as one of your children that I have the privilege and opportunity to speak words. That's not a bad in and of itself. However, if we're not careful, what happens is our tongue becomes a tattletale ...from our heart. And so God helped me to guard my heart. I really just jumped way out there. We're going to get there this morning. But just simply, simply saying that, hey, listen, we've got to be careful how we guard our tongues. A lot of times what we do is we enter into war with words. You ever heard that phrase, war with words? You know, we have these war with words. I I heard that there was uh, Lady Astor and Winston Churchill often engaged in war of words publicly... And, uh, and it was always interesting whenever they would speak. In fact, on one occasion, it said that Lady Astor was talking to Winston Churchill and said, Hey, Winston, if I were your wife, i tell you what I would do. I would put arsenic in your tea. And so he responded to her and just simply said, Well, if you were my wife, I would gladly drink it. <laughs> Words. Words. Hey, she, 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 on another occasion, she said you're nothing but a drunk. He replied, you're ugly, but tomorrow morning I'm going to be sober. (laughs) We laugh at the war of words, but not if you're the one getting cut. And God help us understand the weight of words as we move forward. Weapon of mass destruction, James chapter 3 beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships. Also though... They are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. Who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening, both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine, produce figs, nor can salt water produce <coughs> fresh? And James is just simply giving, again, words and and, and painting pictures, describing and illustrating to us. The weight of words, the power of words. Words are powerful. And, uh, and so how powerful are they? Well, number one, they, ha- they, they, they have the power of direction. They have the power of direction. And he uses two illustrations uh, uh, as he begins this text of Scripture. In fact, if we look at the very beginning, he says, "...let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment." And then he goes on from there, but he's just simply saying, hey, this is not, by the way, a prohibition to be a teacher. That's not what he's doing. He's just simply saying, hey, you need to understand the weight of responsibility that comes with being a teacher, In fact, there are many people that are set out just simply because I want to be heard. In fact, there are some people that struggle with out of her diary of the countenance. They just never know when to stop speaking. And there are some that just simply are intoxicated with attention, and I just want to be the one in charge. I want to be the one uh, who is in charge. And, And so he's just simply saying, hey, listen, you need to understand the weight that goes with teaching. And so it's a warning, just simply saying, hey, be warned. In fact, I, I heard a story of a, of a little boy that said, I want to be a preacher when I grow up. And uh, interesting, and so his, mom, her, his little mom, his mama said, hey, why do you want to be a preacher when you grow up? And he said, I, I figured it'd be easier to stand up and shout than it would be to sit down and shut up and uh and so and so, when you're talking about being a teacher of the word, James is just simply saying he's not prohibiting, but he's saying, "Hey, listen, it comes with a great responsibility. Why does it come with a great responsibility? Because, as a teacher, there's a couple of things. number one, it comes with great accountability there's accountability that comes with the uh, re- the authority given to a teacher he says For we all stumble in many ways, he says back in verse 1, I'm sorry, will incur a stricter judgment, a stricter judgment or stricter condemnation. Uh, Why? Because they're a picture of what's happening within our hearts. In fact, when you're talking about being a teacher, a teacher is one who is an influencer. That's what you do. That's the reason why you are a teacher. It's not just the disseminator of information. In other words, a lot of times a teacher, they just simply want to disseminate the information. In fact, I would even go so far as to say there have been times when I've struggled along the way and just simply approached a Sunday morning saying, I just want to get this information right. When the fact of the matter is, as, as a teacher of God's Word, it's not just disseminating information. It's saying, hey, i want to influence you to follow Jesus Christ according to His Word. And so that's why you've got to be right, because there are many people, although we look at Catholicism, and we say, oh, you know, when, 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 when the Catholicism has written, now there are many Catholics that won't believe this. Uh, however, in their doctrine, uh, uh, when their pope speaks ex cathedra, that simply means out of office. When he's speaking out of office, he's authoritative. In other words, his word, in fact, is even above and beyond scripture, the pope. And so we say, no, that's not true, and to which I would say, I agree with you, that's not true. However, how many people come to a Baptist church, And if the preacher says it, it's equated to authoritative and it's the word of God. Now, I hope to God that I'm right on my teaching. That's why he says there's a stricter judgment for teachers. Why? Because people are listening and you are influencing. Ezekiel says it like this back in Ezekiel chapter number three, verses 17 through 19. Ezekiel says, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel, whenever you hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me. And and, and when I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out uh, to warn the wicked from his wicked way, that he may live. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked and he does not Turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. He's just simply saying, hey, you have a weight of responsibility and a position of influence. And this morning you may be here at this point and say, well, good night, I'm not a teacher, I'm grateful. <laughs> you still have a responsibility and accountability with your words. God will hold us all accountable for our words matthew chapter 12 verses 36 and 37 matthew 12 verses 36 and 37 but i tell you that every careless word that people speak they shall give accounting for it in the day of judgment for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned there's accountability with our words but not only is there accountability uh, with our words there's also responsibility over in the book of Hebrews chapter number 13 and in verse number 17 the Bible says obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account let them do this with joy not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you and then he gives two illustrations he says it's kind of like this <clears throat> words here's what words can do they can give direction words give direction and he gives two pictures number one he says it's kind of like a horse and a bit on a horse when you're talking about a horse you don't control a horse just by snatching a hold of its hair Uh, uh, but rather you put a bit into its mouth and it's amazing that you can take a a little small child and put them on the back of a 2,000 pound animal and, and, and they can control the direction of that animal simply with this small little bit the weight of words, that's all he's saying. Proverbs chapter 15, over in the book of Proverbs, in chapter number 15 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, when you're talking about words, think about the weight of words and how we use them in situations. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's not just what you say oftentimes, it's how you say what you say. So be careful because we're always speaking, right? Right? <laughs> Uh, With words, we're always speaking. Just know that, again, I can direct conversation. Uh, uh, A a rudder of a ship, when you're talking about uh, the rudder of a ship, a rudder of, of a ship can take a ship and they can guide that ship safely into the harbor, or that same rudder can guide the same ship out into the middle of a storm. And so it is with our words. The weight of words give direction, just simple words, Guilty, one word, can change a lifetime. I do. (laughs) Two words can change a lifetime. Our words are influential and give direction to situation. I just want to encourage you, because you all have the opportunity to be influential with your words with your words if we choose them wisely and carefully along the way I'll never forget again just how life changes and directions happen simply because of words Um, when I was finishing at Chipola and and I was recruited by Florida State and Coach Martin called and said he wanted me to come to Florida State to play baseball this is a long time ago you look and you say "Yeah." yeah it was a long time ago and uh, after he called and talked to me, uh, I went to my coach, and I just simply said, hey, coach just called. us. said, yeah, I knew he was going to call you. And I said, uh, what, what do you think? What do you think? And uh, my coach said, I believe that you can go and start for any team in the country, but the question is, what do you believe? What he said was, I believe in you. And as a result, I believed in myself. And all I'm simply saying is don't ever underestimate the influence of your words to the people that are in your life. God, help me, because you can give direction to people. God, help me be wise in the direction that I'm giving to people. And you don't have to be in some crazy position to influence the world. When you look back at history, it's interesting because there was a man by the the name of Edward Kimball, and Edward Kimball was a shoe salesman. That's what he was. He was selling shoes, and there was a young fellow that came into his shop to buy some shoes, and Edward Kimball was there, and he just started talking to him about the gospel, and he led Dwight Moody to Jesus Christ, who shook the nations. His words gave direction to somebody's life. God, help me to be a person that uses my words carefully to glorify God. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 17, for faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Billy Graham has never changed a person's life. But millions have had their direction. In fact, eternity changed because of the word that came from his mouth. The Holy Spirit of God did the work. Power in the word. Power for direction. Power for destruction. Verse number 5 and following says it's kind of like a fire. It's kind of like a fire. And you can read all about a fire. We understand Fire. In fact, <clears throat> the Bible says over in the book of Proverbs, again, Proverbs, in chapter number 16, verse number 27, the, the Proverbs say it uh, like this. A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire, the destruction caused by fire. In fact, when you're talking about the destructive nature of words, it doesn't take much. In fact, it doesn't even have to be truthful words can be destructive even without being truthful and there are many people who use their words to destroy somebody else along the way and what god's word is telling us is it's kind of like a fire and by the way when you're talking about a fire let me just because words it takes wood for the word to for the fire to continue it takes wood for the fire to continue what's the wood Listening ears. Someone come, run their mouth, criticize, gossiping, critiquing, and you just say, "Mhm, yep, yep, mhm, mhm." Call them out. Hey, I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that kind of talk. I don't want to hear you run down somebody. I don't want to hear sorry conversation. Not on my ears. It's, it's it's that wood, and so but 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 yet James is just simply saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> when you're talking about your words, uh, in fact, if if you go back in history, is it, it's interesting when you're talking about the Chicago fire? Because the Chicago fire back in the day, seventeen thousand five hundred buildings were destroyed in the Chicago fire. Three hundred people were died, uh, three hundred people died in the Chicago fire. And you know what started in a little barn by a little cow that kicked over one little lantern. And that's how it happened. That's where it started. And I, and I think how much destruction has been caused with words. That's what James is saying. saying it, it, it's, it's no different than fire. And he goes on from there and, and, and he says, it's, For every species of ber- beasts and birds, in verse number 7, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless evil, full of deadly poison. He's equating them to saying, hey, listen, you know what? People are guilty oftentimes of cannibalism. They backbite one another till they die. <clears throat> but he uses a picture in verse number 7 of venom. He says it's, 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 it's like venom. It's, it's, it's like venom in a snake. And so there's a difference between fire and the destruction of fire, which, by the way, when you're talking about fire, isn't it interesting with fire, with fire, it all depends on, it all depends on whether or not the fire is being controlled or the fire is being tamed. In other words, the same fire that can warm a heart can also burn you to death. Words, and that's what words can do. And so he's just simply saying, hey, listen, Words are like a fire, but they're also like venom. And so the difference, when you're seeing, you see fire, and you see it when it starts, and you see it when it happens. But venom, when you're talking about venom inflicted by a snake bite, it's interesting because a snake is a camouflaged animal. That's what they do. Is oftentimes people never even see the snake. They just have the infliction, and the snake slithers off. And then all of a sudden, the venom takes over. And James is saying, you know what? That happens. That happens in churches. He, he, he's writing to the church. He's writing to the church. That happens in churches. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I don't have the backbone to stand up in front of the church and speak, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to evict venom. I'm going to inflict the venom I'm going to use somebody else to be my spokesperson so that I can slither off into the dark and never be seen, even though I'm the one that spewed the venom. Y'all all right? Words have destroyed churches. Words have destroyed homes. The weight of words. Words have destroyed... Friendships, when you look at friends who oftentimes are destroyed, and they're destroyed simply by words. And here's the problem. If we're not careful, we just spew it. And then we say, I didn't mean what I said. But you can't take it back. Words. You can't take it back. It does damage. Once it. Is inflicted. And so God help us. Recognize again the weight. Of our words. He goes on in verse number 9. He says it's not only the power for destruction. How many lives have we seen destroyed. How many churches have we seen destroyed. But he said it's also something that if you're not careful, there's a contradiction that's created with our words. There's a contradiction that's created, and there's a serious problem when that happens. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a Fountains send out from the same opening, both fresh and bitter water. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh water. And he's just simply saying, hey, listen, it creates confusion. I mean, imagine if you were walking down the road, and if we talk about our fruit, if if, if we're walking down the road and we see a a vineyard and out there in the vineyard we have these grapes and all of a sudden we look at the same vineyard and there's an apple growing on a grapevine you would say that's there's something wrong with that there's something wrong with that or have you ever been around a freshwater spring before when well, we've got freshwater springs and back in Marana, and uh i can remember swimming down deep in a freshwater s- spring and being able to drink fresh water and, and 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 can you imagine how crazy it would be to jump down into the same spring the next day and to drink water only to find out it's not fresh anymore, but it's salt water. It just, it just, oh, it created serious confusion in my brain. And he's saying, hey, listen, as a child of God, when you're talking about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've got to be consistent with your words. You can't come to church. And here's, here's what he's saying. Here's what happens oftentimes. We come to church and we glorify God, and then all of a sudden, before we even leave the place... We begin gossiping about one another. He says, "That's not becoming. That's, that's confusing." And he says, "Be careful about what's coming out of you. When the fact of the matter is, the reason it comes out, it's because that's what's in the heart. The tongue is the tattletale of the heart. The problem is not just with the words, but the words just simply reveal. What the problem really is, and the problem is with the heart. And the fact of the matter is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, are in desperate need of the right person holding the reins. We're in desperate need of the right person at the helm of the ship turning the wheels. Although the words coming out come from the tongue, it's really an overflow from the heart. And the question would have to be, who is the one controlling? Who is the one leading what we say? So what do we do and how do we use our words to honestly bring glory to God? Because in and of yourself, we have this nature and our nature's messed up and we desperately need the help from God. We desperately need help from God because we've all been there uh, I don't even want to ask the question. Anybody not ever struggle with the words that they've spoken? Yeah, we have. <clears throat> yeah, we have. God, help me show discretion. God, help me strengthen me and help me along the way. So how do we respond to James's writing right here? I would say, number one, <clears throat> we pray a lot. We pray a lot. Dear God, I really need help today such that my words would bring honor to you, such that my words would be consistent with my walk, such that my words would be ones that others would see and say, you know what? He walks the way of truth and he talks the way of truth. Psalm 39, the Bible says it like this, back in Psalm chapter number 39 and in verse number one. Psalm 39, verse number one. I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle. Then, over in Psalm 141 and verse number three, Psalm 141 and verse number three, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. <clears throat> the psalmist recognizes, man, the weight of my word. And I also recognize that, God, without your help, I'm going to inflict damage but God, I need you. I need you. Pray. Ask him for help. Number two, not only prayer, but guard my heart. Guard my heart. How do I guard my heart? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, the Bible says it like this. Matthew 12, verse number 34, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. It just reveals what's in the heart. So you gotta guard your heart. Proverbs chapter number 18. And Proverbs 18 and verse number 21. The Bible says it <clears throat> like this in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so the question is how do I how do I guard my heart? How do I guard my heart? That's a great question. There's several things I can do. Number one, hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. That's, that's, that's a great beginning. But I'll tell you something else practical as well, <clears throat> which, by the way, how do you hide God's word in your heart? There's only one way, by feasting on the word, by spending time in his word. God help me to feast on your word, number one. But then, but, but then also, how do I guard my heart? <clears throat> you ever heard that little, little tune that little kids... Sing, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Or, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Careful little ears what you hear. It's just a song about guarding your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. God, help me to guard my heart. Why? Because my words flow out of my heart most influential part of my being flows out of my heart. But I'll tell you something else you can do. Being intentional with your words. Being intentional with your words. Practice. Practice, for example. Please. Thank you. Words of encouragement. You're good at. You did this, you said this, and it really meant a lot to me. The weight, the weight of words. God, help me use my words for encouragement. God, help me use my words to show appreciation. God, help me use my words to share the gospel. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's a power of God unto salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, for all who believe. In other words, he's simply saying, hey, the gospel is powerful. How do they hear the gospel? When you speak it. When you speak it. God, help me to speak the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into this world Not to condemn us, but to save us from our sin. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The question that's got to be asked this morning is this. Have you ever been born again to be born from above? To be a child of the King? Because, you see, what happens is when we get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes and He indwells within our hearts. And what He does is He empowers us and enables us to live what He calls us to do. I cannot, I cannot control on my own strength. I desperately need the help of the Holy Spirit of God. So if you've never been born again, there's no hope. But there can be if you call on His name. And so this morning, if you've never called on his name, I just want to encourage you to call on his name. And then for brothers and sisters, just the question in closing that's got to be asked is this. Who is, who is at the helm of your ship? Giving direction. Who does have the reins on your life? They're the ones controlling the words that come out. God, help me be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you join me for prayer this morning? The weight of words. God, help us today just to understand the power that we possess with our words. Father, we had the power to build up or the power to break down. Lord Jesus, help us to show discretion in our speech such that it would be consistent with your word, that our words would match your word. Oh, Father, help us today. God, I thank you for this moment together. I thank you for this day. I pray that you would search our hearts today. Father, I pray for those that may be here that have never been born again, to be born from above, God. Lord, thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you so much for the cross. God, let us not take for granted the price that you paid, that you stepped out of heaven and came into this world, laid down your life, shedding your precious blood. Because, God, your word says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. There's no hope without you. Thank you for the cross. God, thank you for laying down your life, for conquering death in the grave, and that you're alive, a risen Savior, a living hope today. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit search our hearts, Father, that... If there be anybody that's never been born again, that this would be the day, this would be the time, this would be the moment that they call on your name. Oh God, we need you. Speak. Father, help us even now in this moment to examine our hearts. God, bring to mind the words that haven't been honoring to you. Oh God, bless us with a broken heart over sin. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.